The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Um, well, hey, uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jeff Beckett. Uh, I'm on staff at Monmouth College in Whoa. Central Illinois. <laughs> yeah, that's my but I, uh, I'm married to a beautiful uh, wife, Stephanie. Uh, go ahead and throw a picture of us up there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know you guys are struck by my wife's beauty, so guys, stop looking. And uh, I also am a father of a two-year-old adorable girl, Zoe, uh, Zoe Claire. And uh, yeah, kind of like a side note, I didn't really ever think I wanted to be a dad, but I've actually really loved it. So. Um, Anyway, that's not why he came. Uh, so, uh, we're we're uh, yeah we're gonna talk about technology. But uh, before we do, I just want to kind of share just kind of something that's just like been like just just like frustrating me to like no end. Uh, so, have you guys ever like had like a little light pop on you know on the dashboard of your car? You know, a lot of times you'll get like. You know, low gas, you need to fill up. You know, a little light will pop on and be like, hey, you need to refill your gas just in case you forgot. Or, you know, like, hey, you need to change the oil, like a little oil maintenance things pop up, right? Uh, how many of you guys have had, you know, something happen like that? You've... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. Well, my, my, my car right now is lit up like a Christmas tree. There's about a million <laughs> lights up right now. And uh, one of the things that uh, is happening because all those lights are on is I can't use my cruise control. Uh, and so... <laughs> I, I thoroughly hate driving in the first place, and I hate driving even more so when I actually have to concentrate on driving. And so it just, I don't, for whatever reason, you could probably think that's terrible uh, that I would hate concentrating while driving. Anyway, it's probably dangerous. Probably don't want to be around me while I'm on the road. Anyway, uh, and so I, I, can't use, I can't use cruise control. Basically, without, without like pretending like I'm some mechanic that I know everything about this, there's just one little thing that's going wrong, uh, not even in my engine, and it's just underneath the car. It's real simple. I can see it, uh, but it's about $1,100 repair, and it affects nothing else except for the fact that I really just can't use my cruise control, but it's $1,100, and so I'm like, crap, like, I want to spend $1,100 just so I get cruise control back, and uh, pretty much every time I ask myself that question, the answer is yes, uh, but I don't really want to spend $1,100, and so I, I've just been like, I've, I've been uh, trying to find like really cheap ways to like try and do it myself to try and fix this thing. And uh, to the point that I've spent days upon days just on the internet, like trying to research this part and trying to research how to do it myself, where to find this part cheap. And if there's a way that I can just take the part and maybe fix the problem inside the part without actually having to buy something else or do something else. Anyway, long story short, I've spent an abnormal amount of time looking into this just so I can get cruise control back. Uh, to the point that I've ignored a lot, to, I've ignored a lot of my responsibilities, even to my family with, with my beautiful wife, Stephanie and my, uh, my daughter, Zoe, uh, and I've even ignored some of my responsibilities, uh, when it comes to being a campus director at Monmouth College. And, uh, and I think, uh, the, the only reason I'm really sharing this with you guys, uh, is not so that you can try and help me figure out my cruise control problem, uh, but I'm sharing this, uh, just because I, I really think, man, technology uh, really tends to drive change. 
And it affects the way we live so much so that we can't imagine life without these new technologies. Like, dude, five years ago, I didn't have cruise control and I was fine. <laughs> like, I was just pumped to be in a car, you know, like, dude, I'm driving like I'm my own man, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, but anyways, the point is, man, when, te- when new technology comes around, we get excited about it. And we, but we forget, man, I, I really could do life without all these new things. I could do life without cruise control. I can still do life now. Like, look, I got here. You know, I drove five hours. I made it without cruise control. Uh, and it was okay, you know. Um, but just, I just want to kind of set the stage for technology driving change. And I just want you guys to think, just not even like a thousand years ago, not even like 500 years ago, but just a hundred years ago. Imagine where we came from. A hundred years ago, we were traveling from like neighborhood to neighborhood via covered wagon you know, a couple miles at a time, you know, like just a hundred years ago, traveling in covered wagons, right? And then fast forward 40 more years. And now we're getting to the point where we're traveling from coast to coast via airplane through the sky. And then you fast forward even to today. And man, we're traveling from planet to planet via spaceships through space. That's, that's just within a period of a hundred years. And I just want you guys to see something that the, the point is, is that, man, technology is, even today, is increasing exponentially. And as soon as we get used to one thing, out comes the next. I mean, you just think 40 years goes by, and man, just the way that we travel is drastically altered. 60 years goes by after that, and the way, we don't even think about just traveling here on earth. We think about traveling to other places. And, and so I just, uh, yeah, it's just fascinating, uh, man, that things just never stay the same. As soon as we get used to one thing, out comes the next. And, and so, uh, just to kind of paint a picture of this, uh, according to a poll 70 years ago in 1946, 0.5% of the world had a screen in their home. 0.5% 70 years ago had a screen in their home. Now we can't go anywhere without multiple screens. Like you just think going to B-dubs, like how many screens are in that place? You know, it's like, dude, I, I can't look anywhere without looking at a screen. They even got a screen at your table that you can play like little games, you know. And it's cool, but the point is like, man, uh, the average screen time now, when it goes back to this poll uh, that, that's kind of followed itself up 70 years later, the average screen time now is about nine hours a day. <coughs> just nine hours a day in front of a screen, in whatever way, laptop, phone, TV, whatever the case may be. And so not, and so in light of those nine hours a day, two and a half of those hours are spent watching commercials or, or seeing some, some sort of advertisement in between things. Um, and, uh, and even uh, in, the same, in the same statistic, another two and a half hours is spent between multiple screens. So it's not just even one screen, it's multiple screens. Two and a half hours a day, we're either on our phone and on our laptop or on our phone and watching TV or on our laptop watching TV or whatever the case may be, at least two and a half hours of that is not just one screen, but it's two screens. And two and a half hours of just commercials. It's not even the things we really want to look at, you know, unless you really like commercials like at the Super Bowl, which I do. Um, uh, But let me just, uh, let me show you uh, some commercials as we get to before we play this. Uh, the commercial. The whole point of a commercial is to show you what you need, 
and to convince you that you need this. And so let's just look at a couple commercials that we might just pass through. And this, these are just 30 second commercials. And so if you just press the space bar now. Listen to what he's saying. So let's, let's just kind of talk about these two commercials real quick. So uh, the Garnier Fructis one. Uh, so what, what are they trying to tell you in that commercial? Uh, so there's a couple subliminal message, right? You would think just kind of the average commercial would just be like, hey, man, we really want you to buy this product. But when you watch the commercial, you notice a couple things. I don't look like that dude. <laughs> you know, like the guy, you know, he's like this. You know, I even have that kind of hair. Um, and so the first message, the first message to us is, man, I don't look like that. Right, and then the second message is you really need to look like that, and in order to look like this, or in order to feel strong, that was kind of the whole slogan. Like, look, if you have this, you'll you'll be strong, right? And so, not only do you not look like this, you need this, and you need to buy this in order to feel that way. And then we even go to the basketball and the two K commercial. What does he start off by saying? He says, "We know what you want." You want power. You want control. I mean, even as we're sitting in the, in the rally talks, isn't that what we're thinking? Like, dude, man, yeah, I really want power. You know, I really want control. I really idolize those things. I'm like one of those two kids fighting over the same horse, you know. Uh, but, man, the point is, is that, man, the people that make those commercials are in touch with what we want. And, but they're trying to tell you that you need that in order to get those things. But, man, look. I played spike ball yesterday. I made it to the finals. It was awesome. But guess what? There was nobody out there watching my tournament. <laughs> no, not, no pro spike ball scouts out there watching me. You know, like the point is, is like, dude, I'm not, I, I can't live like that. I can't have all this power and all this control like, like 2K is going to promise me. But dude, if I play 2K, I'm going to have all kinds of scouts. People will pay me millions of dollars or at least in this fantasy world, they'll pay me millions of dollars to play for their team. That's not me. That's not actually me. And so, man, if I really want that, I can just go buy that game. And I can have it all. And so, uh, before, uh, before we kind of get started with this, thinking we're just kind of talking about watching TV and playing video games when it comes to technology, let me just read you off another statistic. Um, so, uh, in 2012, uh, there was a poll that reported that 33% of women this is in 2012, check, check their social network before they even go to the bathroom after they wake up. So before they wake up, before they even go pee, they check all of their social network. 
whether it be Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe there's something new out there that I don't even know about. But that was in 2012. And my, my educated guess would be four years later with the exponential increase in technology and the way that it affects our life, I would probably guess that number is probably closer to 60% than it is to 33% now. And maybe even higher. And so all, all this just to say, man, one crazy observation that we've just got to walk away with and just say, man, I, you can't really argue this, is that we just spend more time in front of a screen than we do asleep or awake apart from the screen. You only have 24 hours in a day. And hopefully people are trying to sleep for eight hours a night, at least. We, we're on a screen an hour more than we even sleep. And we're on a screen an, a, at least an hour more or two hours more than we are even awake apart from the screen. And so I just, I just want you guys to, to come into this world with me and just, just not be oblivious to this anymore. Let's just all kind of say like, man, this is really how the world is right now. And so, and just kind of an interesting correlation that comes along with that is that tons of polls today would say, though we've, though we've got all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of new capacity to do things and all, all this new technology to be more productive, that society is more depressed and more distracted than it's ever been. And that now, that though we have more capability to be more connected to more people at more times of the day, that society is more lonely and anxious than it has been in, in, within 100 years. And so I just want you to see, just because this new technology is coming in, it's definitely having an impact on the way our life, but it doesn't really seem like it's having a great impact on the way that we live our life. And, and so the question really just becomes, man, how can we live now for God's glory in light of all this new technology? And let me just first start off by saying this, that technology is not the problem. The problem is not technology. In and of itself, technology is not the problem. And what I mean by that is when we go back to Genesis 1 and we look at uh, the creation of the world and when God makes Adam, he, he gives Adam a mandate, right? Just like we talked about he says, man, go fill the earth with worshipers and exercise dominion over the earth. And in order for Adam to do that, he's going to have to do what? He's going to have to create things. He's going to have to be technologically savvy. He's going to have to start being innovative in order to go do all those things, in order to do all the things that God's commanded him to do, right? And so technology would have been a good thing, right? It would have, it would have helped Adam fulfill his mandate. And even today, when we think about us sitting in this room right now, we have the Bible that we can read on a screen, right? But man, how did that come to us? First, it was oral. God just spoke to us and then we pass it along, you know, mouth to mouth. Like, hey, Brent, like, look, dude, God told me this. You know, like, hey, can you believe this? And then it went from being oral to being written. And then we would distribute it. So not only did we have to have the technology to actually write things, but then later on, we had the actual technology to not only write things, but to copy them. And not only copy them, but distribute them to, to the ends of the earth, right? And then not only do we have the technology to distribute it to the ends of the earth, we have the technology to digitalize it to every single person in the world. And so I just want you to see that technology is not necessarily the problem. Technology can be a really good thing. And we should be really thankful for technology because we get to read the Bible today because of technology. And so I don't want you to hear me say technology is a bad thing. 
But the point is, is Genesis 1, technology was a good thing. In Genesis 3, technology became a bad thing just in the same way that everything fell under the curse of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, everything came with it. All, everything in creation became subject to the same curse. And so, um, so, so now when, when we have things like an iPhone, right? iPhone, not necessarily good or bad. But man, we can use it for some pretty jacked up things. Like I talked about earlier, man, I'm looking on the phone, researching this you know, thing for me to get cruise control back. Man, I'm ignoring my responsibilities as a husband, as a father, as a camp director. Or maybe even more blatantly, man, that I would use my iPhone, the, the thing that's morally neutral, to do things like look at porn. And so the problem is not just what we, are, what we aren't doing, but it's also what we are doing. Or what we are doing, but also what we're not doing. And what's dangerous about technology, which would be your next blank also. Uh, so the, the dangerous thing about technology is not that it's evil, but it just gives us this fuller and more constant sense uh, or, or this fuller, more constant means to what we long for. And so what I mean by that is this. Um, or, sorry. It, it gives us a fuller, more constant means to get what we long for, but it's really just kind of an illusion that we can actually get it. And what I mean, what I mean by that is this. Is the, the danger of this is, is the thinking behind this goes, man, why would I need, why would I need to look to God to be my friend when I have access to hundreds and thousands of friends at any moment of any day? Why, why would I need to turn to God for that? Why would I turn to God as my pleasure when I can turn to things like porn and Instagram um, and Snapchat? Why, why? Why would I? Why do I need God? I don't need God. Like I, I can get all kinds of pleasure. It's an illusion, right? Hey, why would I look to God to be my peace? Man, when I can, when I can just play these games or watch these movies and feel this false illusion of peace, that things are fine. Why would I, man, why would I turn to God to be my counselor? When I can just look up all the solutions to my problems on the internet. And I, I'm struggling with something, what's the internet say? Why, why would I need to turn to God to be my counselor? I've got all kinds of answers. Man, why, and even just think about this. Why would I even need to, why would I have a hard conversation with someone when I can just text them? Why have a hard conversation with someone face to face when I can just text them? And so the problem really seems to be a heart of worship that is looking to fulfill its cravings and fulfill its desires, and it's using technology to try and accomplish those things and to ignore God. And so when you, when you think about that second blank, the problem is what we are doing and what we are not doing. I just want you to draw like a little connection between the two and put heart in the middle of it. And so, man, how do we fix this? So obviously it seems to be a problem. And so the, the answer has always, has always been and is now the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is the answer. Man, how, how do we move away from stuff like this? Man, the answer is Jesus. And so uh, there's, a, there's an author of a book called The Next Story. 
uh, by Tim Chalice, and he has a little chart that he that he kind of uses to describe the world as he sees it today in light of all his technology. And so I'm going to use this chart, and, and I'm just going to take this chart as a, as what I feel to be a very accurate description of the way that we live life in light of technology now. And I want us just to see how the gospel meets that, and how it come and, and how it comes together with it, and how the gospel is the answer to it. And so, if you want to go to the next one, um, and so first thing is uh, the first thing is that is that we. Uh, is that we have and try to maintain access to thousands of relationships that have that we have no face-to-face contact with while ignoring or being less engaged with the face-to-face relationships God has put in our immediate path. And so you think about that, like what's what's kind of like a common scene around the lunch table today? You know, it's like everyone's on their phones. No one's even talking to the people that are at their own table. We're just eating lunch. Man, that's kind of a common scene. I know you guys probably feel that. I see it all the time at Monmouth. And I was, I did it. <laughs> Dude, I got uncomfortable. All right, see you. I'm on my phone. But the, but the point is, is, man, the gospel applies to this because Jesus came to be with us. He came to be face to face with us. He could have just stayed in heaven and just be like, hey, man. Hey, bro, like, let me, let me talk to you from afar. But no, he said, no, let me come and be with you. Let me come and, and, and interact with you and engage with you face to face. And man, that's why we celebrate Christmas, right? Like, that's, that's the whole point of Christmas is that God would actually come to be with us. Like, no way. That wouldn't have to use some form of, of technology or, or the prophets or whatever to communicate with him anymore. But I could just have a face to face encounter with him. The second thing he says is this, is that we look to our peers for authoritative stances on how we should live our lives instead of the experts. And we tend to rely on the crowd and mainly just people of our own age to determine what is right and wrong without a lot of hard work and without looking to those who have gone before us and have wisdom and life experience in it. And so you think about this, why do you believe the things you believe? Is it because just your friends believe it? Is it because... Uh, social media has promoted this idea. But man, uh, the gospel applies to this, is that man, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life on our behalf, always looking to the Father for the way that he should live his life. Not, not, not his disciples, not his closest friends, not his family, but man, the Father. He went to the expert over and over and over again. and He lived a perfect life in line of it. And we should be thankful for that because now we get that. We get his perfect life because he did it on our behalf, right? Next thing he says is that we prefer to live life through the safety of a screen that we can turn off or manage without much discomfort instead of dealing with the real but hard world we actually live in. And so you think about things like video games and movies, right? I would rather, or, or even just social networks, like, like what I said earlier, like I'd rather have, I'd rather text this person this hard conversation instead of just going and having face-to-face, right? And so, man, I, uh, man, I can just, I'll just disengage and watch this movie, right? The world's hard, like, man, or I'll just play this video game or play this game on my phone, you know, the, you know, all the little app games you can play now. Um, but man, Jesus, Jesus came and man, he suffered all the hardships of this world. 
He suffered all the things that we go through, all the hardness that we experience. He experienced it. He experienced hunger. He experienced pain. He experienced rejection. He experienced abandonment. He experienced death, betrayal for us, for our sake, from us. He, man, he came and he lived in light of the same broken world. And man, we should be thankful for that. Because when he did it, he did it. He took all the pain and suffering on our part and died for it on the cross. And and, and so we just got to keep thinking about the gospel. So the next thing Charles says is he says that we have access to any number of things that we can view or share privately with no sense of public accountability that we would be deeply ashamed of if it was made public, like porn or slander or cheating on homework, or emotional adultery. And so, I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but the point is, is that, man, Jesus died not just, for the, not just for the things everyone else sees. He died for the things no one else sees. He died for the things that are private. He died for my private world. Amen. Um, just, just think about this, is that he took responsibility every ounce of my life even the things no one else knows about even the things i will not take responsibility for in a million years he took responsibility for it and he took responsibility for it in and of himself and he took it on himself on the cross and then he came back to life so that i could have the same sort of righteousness that he had even in my private world not just in my public world that i could really be transformed on the inside when no one else is watching. Then the second to last thing he says is he says that we look to people in our social networks, liking our posts, saying happy birthday, messaging us, or spreading our input by retweeting or reposting to give us value and importance in our life. And so you just think about like, uh, man, when I get on Facebook, or even when I'm not on Facebook, I just kind of feel anxious. Man, did anybody message me or anybody like my post or I just put this picture on Instagram. Did people like it? Uh, did they comment on it? Did they share it with someone else? Um, man, we're, we're just constantly looking to try and get value even from our social networks. Um, and even just when it's your birthday, how many people wish me happy birthday on Facebook or how many people wish me happy birthday on Twitter or, or Snapchat or whatever the case is. Uh, but just think about this. Uh, through Jesus' death on the cross, he gave us access into a new family. That now I could be called a son or a daughter of the, of the most high. Like I look to people that I think are high, right, to get value and importance from in my life. But man, he gave me all the value and all the importance that I could ever want from the most high. And he did that through his death on the cross. And so now, man, I'm, I'm a part of this new family. And instead of and, and so now in, in light of this new family, my goal isn't to get value from people, but it's to impart that same value that I've been given, that I could be called a son or a daughter. I want you to know that too. Instead of trying to get it, I'm trying to give it. And the last thing he says is that we have access to so much information that our minds are constantly flooded with constant and often trivial information. Um, that keeps us from thinking and reflecting deeply about the few serious issues in our life through reading and meditation. And so you think about it, like, we have no problem reading a sentence on Snapchat, 
or reading a sentence on Instagram or Twitter or whatever the case may be. But but man, we just we just can't read and reflect on on just a few verses of scripture a day. I mean, our, our minds are just so flooded with all these other things that just really aren't even that important. But man, even the most important things, I just can't even sit and think deeply because one, I'm being overwhelmed, and two, I just don't have like my, my mind just isn't trained to think long enough anymore. And so. Uh, but Jesus, man, he came and he left his very presence with us. And he left us his word. That we really could think about the real things of life. That we could see life as it really is. That we could cut through all the crap. And that we could see things that really matter. And focus on the things that really matter. That he would be with us and he would teach us. And he would give us wisdom as we think about those things. And so the only way to change our habit when it comes to technology, of turning to technology to satisfy our our cravings and lusts, is to repent. And is to repent of our failure to believe the gospel and to confess that we're not saved or made righteous or made acceptable by anything other than Jesus. And confess that we have turned to other things to give us that. That we have pursued adamantly other things to give us those things. And that those other things have let us down. Because anything you add to Jesus as a requirement for a happy life or uh, as, as a, as, for a peaceful life or whatever is really just a false savior. But it's also a functional Lord. Right, it has the illusion of man, I'll be, I'll be happy, or I'll, I'll, I'll feel at peace now, or man, I'll be acceptable. It's false. It's not a real savior. It's not going to do those things. But it's also going to deeply affect the way that you live. It's a functional Lord. It's going to drive the way that you live. And so when we, when we look to any form of technology as a requirement for a happy life, and we're just going to be overcome with all kinds of things. And it's going to have a massive impact on our life. And so what does it look like for us to repent? Here are just some common wrong motives and wrong approaches uh, that I think is important for us to just talk about rather than talk about the things we should do. Here's just things we shouldn't do. Um, One is that we shouldn't respond out of fear. So kind of a typical saying of this is, man, if I don't change, then God's not going to bless me. That God's not going to bless my ministry or God's not going to bless... Uh, my family, or God's not gonna, uh, or God's gonna punish me in some sort of way if I don't change. But that's not the gospel, right? Jesus took my punishment on the cross. God doesn't deal with me like that anymore. He doesn't deal out punishment for the sake of what I've done. He deals out grace to change me, and sometimes that grace is discipline, right? So we shouldn't respond out of fear because we know that God's always for our good. And the second response is that we shouldn't respond out of pride. And it looks a lot like this. Man, I gotta stop doing this because I'm not that kind of Christian. I don't want to be known as a person that's addicted to technology. That's just a response out of pride. That's that's just you wanting to have a better image. Man, we should respond like that because that's not the gospel either, right? When Jesus came and died on the cross, what what did I have to what do I have to believe in order to believe that Jesus died on the cross for me? That He had to die on the cross. I'm a pretty messed up dude, right? I'm not a good Christian. I still even have to believe that today. I'm never going to be good enough. And so, man, why am I worried about my image? Jesus already took the image that I had and died for it on the cross, and now he gives me his image. 
And so don't respond out of pride or fear. Uh, if you do, I think in general, you might see some quick fixes, but you're probably never going to see lasting change. And so the two wrong approaches to change. First is no discipline. And what I mean by this is that I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll just keep living the way that I live and expect God to change me. Um, in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about cutting out, gouging out an eye or cutting off a hand. And he's very serious about that. And that's a grace. That's, that's a good thing. God's saying, he says right after that, right? That, man, it'd be better for you to enter life maimed or blind than to walk into hell with all those things. And so, man, just don't, don't just keep living life the way that you live and expect God to change you. Just like a farmer, even. I, you know, we, we live in Illinois now, and that's all we see is farms. Uh, but, man, you just can't, uh, you can't expect, when a farmer goes out to plant, right, he can't expect for it to just rain and there all of a sudden be crops, right? He's got to go out there. He's got to cultivate the ground. He's got to plant the seed. He's got to do things. He's, he's got to be disciplined to go out there and do things. But the flip side of this is that you shouldn't also move without dependence. And so don't respond without dependence. And so uh, what I mean by that, uh, even going back to the farmer, uh, man, the farmer can work and work and work and he can plant and he can sow and he can do all those kinds of things, but unless it rains, all of his work is for nothing. And so when I, when I talk about not act or don't, uh, don't respond or, or move forward without dependence. What I mean is don't trust in barriers or uh, a new work ethic to be the thing that changes you. And, and kind of what I mean by that is a uh, kind of example is like, oh man, all right, I'm, I'm just going to set a limit for myself. Only 15 minutes of Facebook a day. Or I'm only going to check Facebook or Snapchat in the morning. Or I'm only going to play video games for the last hour that I'm awake at night. And man, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, that might work for like a couple days, right? And then we spend 30 minutes on Facebook. And then we spend two hours in the morning before we get out of bed on social media. And then we stay up until 3 a.m. playing video games. And we lose all our sleep. And so I just, I, I just want you guys to see that though these things might produce some sort of quick fix... It's never really going to produce lasting change. And before I move on real quick, what I mean by barriers, uh, when, when I'm talking about barriers, um, I just want to point out something. that It's, it's good to have barriers. Like that, that's a, a sort of discipline, right? That I'm going to discipline myself only 15 minutes or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying don't act without discipline. All I'm saying is uh, maybe a, a kind of a story to kind of illustrate this real quick is this summer, uh, me and a bunch of guys on my staff team, uh, we, uh, we were just hanging out one day and we decided we want to go go-karting and, uh, we we're just going to have a blast. And so we're out there, we're, you know, doing our thing and, uh, you know, it's kind of getting like, okay, we're just driving, nothing's really happening. So I'm like, man, I'm going to spice things up a little bit. You know, I'm going to start bumping people. I'm going to start spinning them out and do so, all kinds of stuff like that. And so we get to this one point, uh, where we're coming around this big turn and I'm thinking, dude, I'm totally going to spin, uh, Connor Demick, basically. Uh, I'm totally going to get Connor Deming. I'm going to spit him out, and all these other guys are going to come. They're just going to like try and avoid him and hit him and all this stuff. And so, uh, you know, a go-kart track, there's like barriers all the way around the thing, right, to keep you on the track. Well, man, so basically what you do is you you get behind the guy a little bit, and then you just swipe over, catch, it, catch the back end of his uh, car, and then floor it, 
and then he's going to go spin it out and you'll go around him. Well, as I try to catch, as I try to do this, he speeds up just a little and I totally whiff and I go straight into the guardrail and over the guardrail. And now I'm like, oh shoot, like I'm like panicking to try and get back on the track, right? And I finally get back on the track and then I'm like, dude, we got to end this thing. I don't want them, I don't want them finding out what I just did to their guardrail. I totally jacked that thing up. Um, uh, but the point of I keep going. But the but the point of the the point of the whole story is this is if, if you really want to go over the guardrail, you can. And nothing'll stop you. Right? The guard the guardrail is just there, it's just really meant to deter you. But if you really want to go over it, you can. And I did. <laughs> and so um so uh the the point is this is that I, I really could give you a long list of things that would help you put up barriers in your life. And I even have on the back of your paper, I've given you some things that will help you build barriers into your life. But I don't want you to trust those things. And so much so that I'm going to suggest something that could be totally radical and that could be slightly offensive. And I'm just going to suggest this. If you struggle with Facebook, delete your Facebook account. If you struggle with video games, sell them or just give them away. And I realize that that's a, I just said a pretty, uh, pretty strong thing. But I would just even ask you, you might even be mad that I would suggest something like that. But, but listen, but hear me out. You can't struggle with Facebook if you don't have it. You can't struggle with video games if you don't have them. You can't struggle with Snapchat if you don't have it. And even if you're getting mad right now, which I would, I would probably guess some of you are. I, I am a lot of times when people suggest that I should lose some of my technology, right? When I should lose my cruise control. <laughs> Why are you mad? What is it about this thing that you have to have? What is it that you don't already have? And so... Um, and man, maybe maybe you're thinking, man, I don't even struggle with technology. And maybe you don't. And and man, maybe you really don't. But why not just try it for a month? Go without all of it. And see what your heart does. Is it try to like sneak it back in some ways, you know? Like, oh, like, uh, hey man, can I get on your Facebook real quick? I just kind of want to, you know, waste some time. Or, you know, just something like that. Like, or hey man, let's play video games, you know, like just totally like not even wanting to hang out with anybody. I just want to play video games. You know, is your heart really trying to go back to these things to get what it's craving for? So man, maybe, maybe you're really feeling like you don't struggle with technology. And I would just say, man, why not try just a, some a technology detox and see what your heart does. And if nothing else, you learn something about yourself for a month and you learn you don't struggle with technology and great, keep going. Right. You go back, you know, do whatever you need to do. It's fine. But my guess is that probably most of us in this room, within a couple of weeks, we'll just be dying to get back the technology that we love. And, and I'm one of them. And, and just in case you thought that repentance might be easy or without suffering, uh, you, you might be misinformed about the Christian life. Uh, and all I say, uh, the only reason I say that is because Jesus says the very same thing in John 12, 24. He says this. He says that unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies... It remains alone. But if it does die, it bears much fruit. And so what's the point that Jesus is making? 
He's saying, man, you want change. It's going to come. It's going to come at a cost. You want all this fruit? If you want all the fruit of joy and peace and contentment, real satisfaction, real work, then man, it's going to come at a cost. You want all the fruit? It's going to have to come at a cost, and it's going to come at a cost to you. And you're going to have to suffer. But man, look at all the fruit. Like, look at all the fruit that can be had if you just suffer a little while. And so, man, let me make it plain to you. you. If you delete whatever it is, or if you get rid of whatever it is, you will be anxious. You will go through anxiety. You will go through what most people call withdrawal. And man, people will question you. People will wrongly assume your motives for why you drop things. People, uh, people get pissed at you for not responding to a text message within the next hour, or not responding to a phone call, or, or not getting on your... Uh, video game network and playing games with people or whatever. People are going to get pissed at you for stuff like that. Uh, you're going to look like a loser for not having Snapchat or for deleting Snapchat. Or, uh, um, or man, you're going to miss out on some things. You're going to miss out on the next movie. You're going to miss out on the next trend that's coming up on Instagram or the next, uh, you know, uh, what all my friends are doing, or, you know, back home or whatever. You're going to miss out. Hey Amen. Um, I just think it comes back uh, to to the point of what Jesus says: "Man, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. It remains unchanged." Hey Amen. You you might not get the praise that you want for your Instagram posts, for your for, you know for the adorable Instagram posts you post all the time. But the question is: is it is it worth it? The polls say it is. And man, let's just dream. Let's just dream about a world where, man, where we deal with our real fears, our real sadness, our real angers, our real joys. And we, enter, and we, and we do that with each other and with the Lord. And, and we have the real peace and real contentment that comes when we deal with those things, when we deal with them head on. Like Paul talks about in Philippians 4, that we would know the real peace and the real contentment that comes with dealing with those things through the gospel. And man, let's dream of a world where we don't have to be, we don't have to have this heavy burden of trying to maintain all these relationships all the time and be connected all the time. And man, just just think and, and live under the burden of Christ's yoke that he talks about in Matthew 11 that he says is easy and light. And man, think about what it would be like when we have, if we have real holiness and real freedom from all the things that are going on around us and real moral purity to our core. Because we don't need to look at all kinds of things for all of our pleasure. I mean, think about what would it be like if our friendships weren't dependent on whether or not people liked our Snapchat story or whether or not people reposted us on Twitter or, re, or retweeted us or whatever it is. Uh, or, or if people thought we were awesome at video games. Think about what kind of real friendships we would have in light of that. Hey Amen. Think about where we could think about a world where we could rightly think about wisdom and we, that we would look to people that have gone before us and have had all kinds of experience and we could draw on that experience and we could learn from their failures instead of just assuming all of us have all the right answers. Instead of all of us in this room have all the right answers. Just think about how the world would look totally different in light of that. I mean, where a broken and dying world would be engaged with real and serious things. 
instead of, is this dress blue? I mean, I'm saying that just because it's like, who cares? Like, why, why is this even a thing? You know, like, but, but man, there's people dying and going to hell all over the place. But we'd rather talk about whether or not a dress is blue. And it is. It's kind of like, dude, who cares? But man, man, so let me just, let me just finish just by praying. And I would invite you to pray with me that God would change us and that he would help us enter into the real world and, and to be unaffected by it. So pray with me now. Jesus, thank you for all that you give and thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for coming to be with us and thank you uh, for giving us all kinds of wisdom and thank you uh, for dying for our inner and private world and God, thank you uh, for, for bringing us into a new family. And thank you for leaving us your, your own presence, your own wisdom in the word, God, that we could know what you want and how you want us to respond and how you want us to live. And God, I pray that, that your word, God, would continue to be the way that we look at and approach life and not the world of social media, that we wouldn't look to that, that we wouldn't look to technology uh, to continue to be the thing that governs how we live our life. And that we that we could see things like a NBA 2K commercial and just go totally unfazed and think, man, that's silly that, that I could really have power and control like that. Man, it's silly that, that I could feel strong if I just had the right hair product. And God, it's just so silly. And God, please help us think and reflect deeply about the most serious and important and pressing issues in life today and engage people and engage this world face to face. And God, to take on suffering for your good and for other people's good and for my good. God, that I could receive fruit, that I could bear much fruit. And God, I'm just asking all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.